Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Well, here we are in week two of love and quarantine. We're having conversations about marriage, and I think, I think the time's right for this conversation. Uh, we find ourselves in quarantine, isolation in this time of COVID-19. And so uh, we just thought we'd spend a few weeks talking about marriage because can we just admit marriage can be hard right now? Yeah. Um, the word quarantine, actually, it comes from an Italian word that means 40 days which interestingly enough, we're at about 40 days in quarantine. And, and uh, let's just be honest, it has gotten difficult in a lot of different ways. Maybe you're frustrated with the kids or uh, frustrated with a roommate or frustrated with your spouse, right? I mean, it's getting difficult right now, right? Uh, there's a lot of Netflix, there's a lot of chill, but there's probably not that much Netflix and chill right now. So let's be honest about that. Uh, this is not um, the easiest time right now for marriages, but what it is doing, and, and we were just talking about this, is it's causing us to kind of dig in to our relationships and dig into some of the, uh, the, the details of, of who we are and how we relate to one another and uh, really to deal with some of the, the problems in our relationships that probably for most of us we've needed to deal with for a really, really long time. One of the things that we said last week uh, in the message is this, that we all want a marriage we're thrilled to be stuck with. I think everybody watching is going, man, if I'm going to be married, I really want a marriage that if I'm stuck in a house with that person, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that we're actually stuck in this house together. And so that's where the conversation is going to go uh, today. But before we get into that, I just want to say welcome. Uh, wherever you're watching from or joining us from, we are so glad that you're with us and joining us online. And, and even in this crazy season we find ourselves in, we actually believe that you can engage yourself fully uh, in the family of God and, and even just getting to know God better in this time. And, and my invitation to you is to move beyond watching into being fully known and to engaging your heart with the church and with God. So no matter where you're at in your journey with Jesus, if you're a believer or if you're new to church, we're just glad that you're with us and, and want, want you to know like loving Jesus and, and knowing God is so much more than an online video. And this is a beginning of, I think, what God wants to do in you. And so we've launched Zoom groups in ACF. And if you haven't heard about them, they are a great way to connect during the week. Uh, uh, my wife, Amanda, and I, we have a Zoom group. We look forward to it every week to just get online and catch up with some people and to get prayed for, have some laughs, and just enjoy some people that we really know and that really know us right now. And so we'd love to get you plugged into a Zoom group. You can go to acfak.org and all of the information is going to be there. So as we get into the talk today, I'm really excited to have Paul and Liz Snyder with us. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks yeah, for being with us here today. So tell us a little bit um, about yourselves. You guys might not know Paul and Liz. So tell us who you are, what's your day job, uh, what do you guys do? Yeah, so I am a chaplain in the Air Force, and uh, of course I work down at J-Bear for the, I work at the 673rd Logistics and Readiness Group, mm -hmm. and I've been a chaplain for about 10 years, and it's really been my job the whole time to be concerned about the spiritual resiliency of my unit, whatever size that unit that might be, and really, during this time, the marriage resiliency mm -hmm. of my unit as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and I work at Providence Hospital as a speech therapist in acute care. Um, I do that part-time, and then the rest of the week I'm at home making sure our kids get to school and do everything they're supposed to and that the house you know, doesn't fall down around us. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So we're going to dig into your marriage, right? So that's what's <laughs> exciting. Uh, with all of you watching, we're just trying to be as honest and authentic yeah. as possible. And last week we talked all about conflict. And if you didn't get to hear that message or watch it, my wife and I, uh, uh, Amanda and I, got to talk through just our journey with conflict as a couple. And so I want to encourage you to go back and watch that if you haven't. Uh, but this week I've entitled Oil and Water. Oil and Water. And so one thing you know about oil and water is they don't mix. When we say oil and water, we talk about like the kids, they're fighting. It's like they're oil and water or that couple over at that table at the restaurant. It's like they're oil and water. And, and many times, let's be honest, we find ourselves married to someone. And uh, at some point we would describe the marriage as like we're oil and water. It's like for whatever reason, we don't seem to mix. And it starts off just small things, you know, bother us. We get a little annoyed with the quirks. Uh, but here's how I would say it is that what starts off as cute ends up driving us crazy. Can we just admit that? Yeah, we can. The, thing, the things that we were like, man, she's so quirky and oh, it's so cute how um, he does that with his hair and like, oh, it's just a great thing. Over time, for whatever reason, it starts driving us absolutely nuts. And, and you know, that's one thing to just kind of be annoyed with certain aspects of our spouse. But this goes even deeper than that, where at some point, uh, maybe many of us have uttered these words, we have nothing in common. Maybe you guys have said that before. We have definitely said, said that, that before. Yeah. Absolutely. We have nothing in common. How can we be married and have nothing in common? And, and the journey that we go on is, you know, we get married and we think we know who we're marrying. And then what ultimately happens in every single relationship with every single person is that we change. Mm -hmm. Right. We're going to change. We're supposed to change. We're going to grow and develop. And, and, and the struggles that we go through in life will change us at a, at a deep level. And so the journey that we go on as a couple is learning how to love the person that we're married to and, and, and draw the best out of that person that we're married to. And that's really what I want to talk about today is how do we actually do that? How do we learn to bring out the very best in someone when we feel like we are oil in water. And so I want to start off with you guys, just ask you a couple questions and, and just share okay. with all of us where you've come from and, and maybe where it all began as yeah. you guys got to know each other and then started to realize that uh, you're actually really different people. Yeah, I think actually almost an easier way to start that conversation is to describe the ways that we're alike because it's a much shorter list. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the things that attracted us to each other um, back when we met were really good foundational things. One of those was that we both, we both love our family, we both love our friends, um, we enjoy being with people. Uh, we met in college, and so we really love to learn. We're both big readers, so that was really fun. But I think the biggest thing that was the most important was that we both had a personal relationship with God. Mm -hmm. We both wanted to know him better. And actually, the funny story about our first official date was that I was set up on a lunch date, um, a blind lunch date by my roommate without asking my permission, which just not well, a good idea. You Which I was grateful that. for. Yeah, so. he was grateful. Um, I was not. And I actually brought a friend along to kind of help me, which should have been a red flag for Right you. over my head. Didn't my, I didn't even <laughs> know. No idea. Um, no. My plan was to eat as quickly as I could, get through the date, and then finish. And that stayed my plan until he started praying. And that was when I noticed how genuine he was about 
his relationship with God. Like he just really talked to him and he, he told him about his day and how grateful he was that we had pizza in front of us, you know. And it was during that prayer that I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I'll give this guy, He's a, keeper. Yeah. Give yeah. This so, guy a second so chance. So for, forget pickup lines, Brian. Let's just teach people how to pray better and they'll be able to attract that godly man. So single people, there you go. Just work on some prayers, <laughs> have prayers. them in your hip pocket, be ready to pull those out at dinner. Yeah, that's a, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, so, but when I met Liz, I thought she was wonderfully different, right? And she was this vivacious and kind and optimistic girl. She had these brilliant, smiling blue eyes. And on top of all of this, she is just godly. And so case closed, what else do you need? Right. I've got everything I need. Yeah. And I think what happens to a lot of folks when you're dating is that even when we started to notice the things that were different, like he's kind of quiet, you know, we might think about things differently. You, you kind of romanticize them like, oh, well, opposites attract and, you know, um, we'll balance each other out or like, oh, he completes me. You know, that's yeah. a really, that's a really that great me. one. Yeah. But really, we didn't spend a lot of time thinking about <laughs> those big differences. And I know people have asked us why they, you know, as they became a parent, why didn't we focus on them? And I think, you know... Number one, we didn't know that they would be a problem. But number two, when we were even going through marriage counseling, no one told us, hey, when you're different, it's going to cause some conflict, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we, we didn't think about those differences at all. Yeah, and so we're talking about family differences, right? So I grew up in the Midwest, and no one has ever said about the Midwest, wow, that's Midwestern charm there. Yeah. I hope <laughs> they didn't offend anybody out right. there, you know. Uh, but... You know, I grew up in this really loud family. My dad was a pastor, uh, and he served blue-collar folks in, in the uh, farm country and then in Detroit as well. And, but we were loud. We were loyal. We discussed everything. Just say it like it oh, is. We, yeah. And anything. At the dinner table, anything, <laughs> right. you know? And it I know... really shocking <laughs> I had a hard time with that. I thought it was normal, though. So, right. um, but... Um, as we went forward there, uh, it's just, we loved each other. We loved spending time with each other. We loved music. We loved having intense debates with each other. Yeah. And that's going to lead to a great marriage. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Exactly. And these are just some of the differences yeah. in the family. And my family was so opposite. We, um, my dad was a financial director for a large company, so we were very comfortable. I was one of three siblings. Our house was very quiet just because... That's my family's culture. Even my extended family's culture was very quiet. They all grew up together, the same church. And so our dinner table, if you're comparing dinner tables, you know, everyone, elbows were off the table. You know, there's one conversation. All the food went to the right. Yeah, and if you were in mine, you know, if you didn't like the conversation you were in, you just turned your head and got, got <laughs> into the one on the other side. Oh, you had man. a traffic plan for <laughs> yeah. the dinner food. I like it that. Was, it was so different. And That's then good. we weren't direct. So when we would talk, especially if you wanted to tell someone something maybe a little sensitive, you, you did it in very subtle kind of innuendos. You dropped hints there. And, and I remember actually one time we were dating, we went out for a very late night walk and we'd been out for a while and I got a call from my mom and she was like, hey, how you doing? Just checking on you, you know, make sure you're safe and everything's good. And, and I'm just like, wow, well, this is nice. She's checking <clears throat> up on us. She wants to know that her daughter is safe. That's great. And I hung <laughs> up and was like, no, we must go home immediately. Yeah. That was her saying. Accountability. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like at home. So yeah, we didn't, we didn't go through those things that made us different. Hmm. By, by not so, so we had we did do marriage counseling at the, at the outset, mm-hmm. but it was very generalized, mm-hmm. which is good. You need that as well. But by not thinking about these differences, we ended up not appreciating mm-hmm. those differences. Yeah. 
And I think of even passages of scripture like Genesis 1, 26 and 27, where it talks about us being made in the image of God. We reflect God in our unique ways, God's intellect, his abilities, or his personality, his character, all these sorts of things. Um, add to that even deeper in Psalm 139, verses 13 to 18. And I'm just going to read them yeah, because they're so really powerful. Good. Yep says, uh, you made all the del- delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Think of the amount of effort that God has put into your spouse. It it is amazing (laughs) what he has done there. And then after that, he he plans out their lives. He knows exactly what they're going to be going through. And if if they know Christ, uh, in Ephesians 2, it calls them uh, his workmanship, Mm -hmm. which is uh, amazing in Christ Jesus. And and, and he has unique good works for them to do. And he's empowered them with unique Mm -hmm. spiritual gifting to do those works. Yeah. This is all the thoughts that God has put into your spouse. And, yeah. and at some point we, we lose that, yeah. right? right. Absolutely. I mean, we understand that. And maybe you found yourself dating someone and saying, man, thank God for who they are, what they were created to be. And then at some point you find yourself asking God to change who they are, right? And change everything about yeah. them. And, and very few men, let's be honest, have prayed uh, to God and, and just thanked God. God, thank you for making my wife so wonderfully complex, (laughs) right? Thank you, God, for a complex (laughs) wife, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that would have been good things for us to think about, but we we didn't. We, you know, went right by that. I think a lot of people relate to that, right? And one of the things that I realized as I was thinking about this topic this week is that um, it's actually incredibly common to feel like you have nothing in common. And that's a really yeah. important place to start, that if you find yourself in a marriage or relationship where you're like, man, it's like we don't have anything in common. That's really a, a common thing. It's really something that happens a lot. And, and, and there is a way to move forward from there. Yeah. Right. And, and we as a couple did not have that way. I mean, I remember just thinking, she's wrong. Right. <laughs> she's different. No, no. I said, a good way to start. She's wrong. That was a good way to start. Know, yeah. The spouse and is wrong. I'm sorry that, that you have a lot of going up to do, so we're going to head that direction, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it didn't make those first couple of years super fun. Yeah, so, yeah. How did, so how did it affect your marriage from the beginning to see how different you were? Um, a lot of people talk about having like a honeymoon stage, and we just... We skipped that stage. It didn't exist for us. I think we dove right into um, our expectations for marriage. And when those things didn't materialize, you know, everything just kind of started falling apart. Yeah. So, so I am a planner. Yeah. And I had read all the marriage books. I'm a reader and a planner. And I had a great plan for our lives. Oh, yeah. And if she could get on board with <laughs> right. that plan, good. Uh, that would be really great. You know, I'm going to be the spiritual leader. I'm going to make super godly decisions. Should have known something was wrong even by then. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to make these good decisions. I'm going to support and love her. Mm-hmm. She's going to respect me. Yeah. And we're just going to have uh, this wonderful life uh, together. And, and at the core of it, she's going to make my life easier and I will be happier. Yeah. Right. right. And I really just thought the same thing. I mean, I had a different plan in my head, but I had a plan too. And at the end of the plan was I'll be happy 
and this will be so wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's an idol, right? Uh, yeah. For most of us that happiness is what we worship and we get married because we want someone mm-hmm. to make us happy. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's something that we realize it's not always happiness no. in marriage, no. you know, and I can't remember, you know, who said it, but just that God gave us marriage, uh, not to make us happy, to make us holy, mm-hmm. you know, to actually change us. And, and what you learn over the course of time is that's really what happens through the crucible of marriage is that God starts to burn out some of the junk in your life and in your personality and some of the selfishness in who we are. Yeah. 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 We really found out um, the hard way um, that we were different and we we didn't take the time to understand those. So we were different in a lot of a lot of ways. I thought we'd share some. So maybe you'll hear a little of yourself in some of these. a lot of We're you probably, I'm sure have heard of the love languages and we had not, I don't know why we hadn't, but we hadn't, it's it didn't even book, occur to us. It yeah, is, it's, it's an excellent book by Gary Chapman, the five love languages. And, um, we were very different. So I'm a words of affirmation and physical touch kind of girl. And, and I'm gift giving and quality time. <clears throat> yeah. So never the two shall meet. No, right? they really didn't. When we first got married, I thought I'm doing all these great things for him. Why isn't he telling me like. You're so wonderful. I'm so thankful for you. God gave me this gift. Yeah. Um, Never even occurred to me. No. That that would have to be a thing, No, right? that wasn't. And like when we were out in public, he never tried to hold my hand or like put his arm around me. And I was like, why is he rejecting me? You know? <laughs> there you go. Do it now. You're right. Yeah. Making up for some lost right. time. You know? That's good. Yeah. Um, well, and, and think about gift giving. Even the way when I was trying to tell her, I love you. I remember this time I went to go buy this necklace and at the time it was $100 and to me that was like so much money and I agonized over it it was just but I'm going to do it and so I I went for it and I remember giving it to her saying I got this for you and she opened it up and it's kind of like oh that's nice and like puts it aside and I'm like what did you just do you know yeah I I love you that's what I'm trying to say Yeah, yeah it was not good and then I think something maybe is less thought about is our communication styles were so different and even the way we would take a thought and process it. Um, so again, we were trying to do what was right. Like we should talk about stuff, but when we'd start doing it, it just, it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. so uh, when we were getting serious, I remember having more in-depth conversations and I remember that Liz, I was, every once in a while she would just come across as just crazy, you know? Like she must be crazy to have just said the thing that she just said. So and I know it sounds terrible to say, but... You know, I gained this belief because uh, of this bizarre practice she had of, of just putting out there some ridiculously unformed thought and then looking at me, you know? Yeah. So I remember uh, we were in our apartment and, and the house was a little, you know, unkempt. And uh, she, she comes to me and says, out of nowhere, this house is messy. How can you call yourself a Christian and live in this house? I love like, it. Bring the Lord in behind his cleanliness. Big guns, the big guns. The big guns. Is, is, what does this have to do with messy? How does it have to do with my eternal soul? You right. know, it's a great yeah. one. Yeah. I love that. But I'd even come to him with like a question, and I'd expect him to have an answer right then, and and you'd look at me like I was nuts, which didn't encourage me to keep talking to him right. when his first reaction is like, "You're crazy." You're crazy. Yeah. You, you so everybody stick. has some pretty unique. Yeah arguments when it comes to our differences Mm -hmm. what were yours what were the unique arguments that you guys felt like you had I think our conflicts a lot of times centered around um well well a lot of things a lot of times we would just argue about like well my family did it this way and 
you know, your family did it this way. So you got family traditions, yeah. right? You've got uh, just leisure preferences, right? Oh, yep. yeah. So yeah. as we're, you know, Liz is spontaneous, and I'm a planner. And so if we're going to go out for a date on Saturday, we better be having a plan by Thursday night at, at the very latest, Thursday, you know? Yeah. And if she changes the plan, then I'm going to get sarcastic and grumpy, and we're going to have a fight, you yeah. know? And that's yeah. how it used to be all the time. Yeah. And that was outside the home, inside the home. Like we mentioned, we'd argue about the way the apartment looked and how it should be cleaned and what manners we should be using. And how do you spend money? That's a good oh, one. Oh yeah, how do you um, spend money? Was, <laughs> right, uh, right. The two likes, major conflict causes yeah. in marriage, right? <laughs> Sex and money right? yep. are always the ones that cause yep. the most fights. She loves yeah. experiences, likes to do that mm. sort of thing with the money, and I like stuff. And right. money should either be saved or we should have something at the end of our spending yeah. of it. Right. Right. Yeah. And not so much no. um, for, from her point of view. Yeah. In general, there was just a lot of conflict. We, if you could fight about it, we probably fought about it, honestly. Right. And, yeah. and so over time, like, I mean, we're, we're kind of laughing about this and <laughs> it's lighthearted. Um, but this, this got real at some point. Yeah. It did. Right. And so in all of this, I, I want to just say to you who are watching, um, there can be a tendency to think that... Um, we didn't, we didn't have real fights or we don't have real <laughs> arguments. And I just want to take us off of that yeah. pedestal yeah, in, yeah, in any sure. way and just let you know that this is real conflict yeah. that can threaten anyone's marriage. Yeah. I mean, there, it is by the grace of God that we're still married. Yeah. It's by the grace of God that you're still married. And so um, this is real stuff. So talk to us about um, just like the catalyst for change, because I think we all get to a point, sometimes multiple times in marriage, where um, we are so different, we are mm-hmm. not connecting, we have nothing in common, and we have a decision to make, and, and uh, things kind of get bad and worse before they get better. Yeah. And so what was the catalyst for you guys to make some changes? Yeah, and that definitely happened. We did, it did get really bad, and we yeah. were... Honestly, we didn't know what to do no. at, when we first started saying, this is not right we don't know where to go, but we at least know it's not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Sure. And I think going back to that, one of those foundational things that drew us to each other was that we did believe that God was powerful mm. and we did believe that he could speak into our marriage. And so I think the catalyst was really when we hit rock bottom, we couldn't fix it by like the things we we've been trying to do. We were fights all the time. Yeah. We were Just struggling disagreeing. like that. And so we ask God for help. And I think that's a good place that everyone has to come to. And then you look for those avenues of help. And so right? I went to a pastor uh, that I had at the time and said, hey, here's everything mm-hmm. that we're having as far as these problems. What should we do? And he had a lot of valuable advice to give. He also had some interesting advice. Like he, he had this thing about foot rubs. He's like, you need to be giving her foot rubs every night. And just mentioned it over and over. And I'm like, I, go, don't ladies. Think, I don't think my marriage is failing by, because of lack of foot rubs. It can't, you know? it can't hurt though. Let's be honest. It can't hurt, especially yeah. right now. But, but the takeaway is reach out to your spiritual mentors and you're going to get very valuable information. Well, and one of the foundations that you guys have that not every couple watching has is that you do both love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that changes over time, yeah. the, the degree that we love Jesus and the degree that we take our faith seriously. And you might have been thinking back to the day when you were both so on fire for God or, or maybe one of you mm-hmm. was, uh, and maybe it's not the same anymore. Yeah. And so for some of you, that's, you're thinking, well, that's just not where I'm at or where yeah. my spouse is at. But I, I really believe that's, that's great advice is that um, there comes a point where all you have is Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, it can be anything that brings you to that point. But uh, for my, my journey just being a pastor and a leader in the church, what I've learned is that marriage is one of the most common tools that God uses to draw people to himself. Is that people come to the point where it's just like, I don't know what I think about God, but I know if he exists and he cares about me being married, I want his help right now. Yeah. And if you're there, yeah. I think that that's a, that's a really yeah. great place to start yeah. um, is to reach out. Yeah. For Jesus, yeah. That was really good. And in a way, I did the same kind of thing, only I remember a day where I was feeling just overwhelmed by how awful our marriage seemed. And I was in the library of the seminary where Paul was studying. And I was in the marriage section of this library. And a lot of those books were kind of like old and dusty. Um, but I was asking the Lord for just a book to help me. And um, Gary Thomas's book, you actually referenced the phrase that he uses, sacred marriage. And in that book, he has the thesis statement that says that God designed marriage to make you holy more than happy. Mm. And when I read that book, and then Paul read the book as well, that really helped us change our focus. Yeah. Um, so before, the focus of our marriage had been like, we're looking for happiness and we're looking for comfort. And that book helped us see like, no, God's calling you um, to look at your holiness and to pursue that. And that marriage is really, like you said, a training ground. And for people who are very different, that training ground might be a little bit harder, mm-hmm. um, but that that was what was, he was going to yeah. do. When, when we pursued <clears throat> happiness, it seemed like it kept slipping yeah. through our fingers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But when we started pursuing God, each of us kind of almost separately like that, and then eventually together, um, that journey towards pursuit of God allowed us to find happiness along, along the way, the way and, and mm. things started to turn around. Yeah. yeah. So true. And so we were looking um, practically, you start looking through the Bible instead of looking for verses that are like, how can I convince them that they're wrong? Oh man, yeah. You start looking for verses that teach you like, how am I going to love this person just like Jesus loves us? In know? the end, I think it was our, our stubbornness, oh, <laughs> our shared yeah, stubbornness. So yeah, yay, yay for stubbornness that uh, I like the phrase you said last week, something about uh, don't uh, stop fighting in your marriage and start fighting, fighting for, for your marriage. For yeah, that was, yeah. that's a really powerful statement. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is that if you do nothing, if you don't invest in your marriage, you get nothing. Yeah. You don't just, time just doesn't heal a marriage. You yeah. have to do something. You have to fight for it. Well, yeah. most of us don't, as a, as a teenager, um, dream about being the right person. We dream about finding the right person, yeah. right? And so, um, and there becomes all of those uh, misperceptions that we have of like, well, maybe I just found the wrong person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a whole other myth. The myth of the right person yeah. that um, is something worth considering is just, it's just a myth, right? right. Um, the journey of marriage is, is really just becoming the right person. Um, and even the journey of singleness is becoming the person that whoever you want to marry will want to marry. Yeah. I mean, that's really what you want to do. Spend your time becoming the person that the person you want to marry will want to marry. Mm-hmm. And over time, um, if, if God chooses to bring that person to you, you'll be ready uh, for that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Good. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. So we started looking, I think, through scripture for those general principles. And we would find them. So those marriage right. so passages. That... There, are, there are some marriage passages there that I think you can go to and you'll get uh, some good help. Like Ephesians 5, right? Where you are supposed, uh, I find out as a husband, I'm supposed to, to love my wife as Christ loved the church and mm-hmm. sacrifice for her and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found was that I would read that passage and say, I'm not doing that, but I don't 
I don't know how to start doing that. You know, it's too general. I need some specific things to start doing to love my spouse. And so that led us to actually start investing in these passages. You might, you've probably heard of them. They're called love uh, or one another passages. If you just Google it, you'll find lots, lots. of lists of them so online. Of them. And I found that they were the more specific tools we needed to find out how, how we are supposed to be interacting mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we picked out a couple out of many um, that we were going to put up and just go through and show how um, these are very practical. These are things that you can wake up in the morning and think, oh, I could do these. Yeah, so, um, yeah. so one of them is you can submit to each other. You can pray for one another. Um, you care for one another. You build each other up. You can comfort one another. You know, be kind um, and forgive yeah. one another. <laughs> um, oh, I think yeah. one of my favorites is actually the last one, which is outdo one another in showing honor. Yeah, there's a could, competition for you. Yeah, yeah, you can make that into a game, right? When you go right. out, we're going to outdo one another <laughs> yeah. in showing honor to our spouse, right? Yeah, yeah these are absolutely huge. And I think one of the things that um, we tend to separate our marriage relationship from the way that we treat other people. Yeah. And um, we need to see, uh, first of all, that, that that spouse that God gave us um, is God's first, right? Mm-hmm. So um, God loves my wife uh, more than I will ever love my wife. As much as I want to love her, he loves her with a perfect love. And so um, she's actually, it kind of sounds weird, but a, a sister in Christ before she's, uh, you know, somebody who I'm married to. Yeah. And so to treat her that way as another human being created in the image of God that, you know, I would serve her and be kind to her, um, submit to one another. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, submit to one another out of reverence for, for Christ, right? So that's, a, that's both of us trying to find new ways to go, hey, how do I submit to your needs? Um, encouraging one another, praying for one another, being truthful and honest with that person. I mean, really, that's how you care for a human. Mm-hmm. Like right. God's entrusted you with another human being, right. let alone that they're your, your spouse. And I think when we start doing that, um, we will give them value mm-hmm. and uh, we'll start to lift them up. And what we'll start to find is that uh, we, we will then get some of the value that, yeah. um, that we're looking for. And we don't do it to get it, mm-hmm. but I think what maybe we've experienced and you've experienced is that as you start to one another, one another, you start <laughs> to see that the relationship um, gets a foundation yeah. right. that's, uh, that's actually something that can withstand some storms. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a great builder of trust when you start doing these for each other. It's just, if you're wanting to know how to build trust, start doing these one another passages. And that is what increases the the trust in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that like, through all of that, what you start doing is you start pulling out the best in that person. And that's really what we're um, focusing on today is that God has given you this unique person um, with unique gifts and skills and abilities and passions and callings. And that we are the primary person that God's given to them to pull all of those things out of them. And kind of what I, uh, what I thought about this week is it's almost like the best of us is, is always buried beneath things. And so the best of all of us, it gets buried beneath our wounds. It gets buried beneath our fears, beneath our habits, beneath our addictions. The best of us is, is always buried beneath a lot of stuff. And so marriage is sort of like a mining expedition. Mm-hmm. It's this journey of like pulling the very best out of the person uh, that we're married to. Um, And I'd say it this way. The words I do mean I'll spend my life unearthing the best of you. That's what it means when you say I do. I'm going to spend my whole life trying to unearth, to, to mine out the very best in the person that God has given me. 
And once again, it's not about simply uh, happiness or somebody to go on vacation with or somebody to snap a great photo with for Instagram (laughs) or whatever it is. Like, this is someone that's going to change you and who's also going to change. But through that, um, you're going to learn things about yourself that you never, ever would have learned apart from a great marriage. And so, yeah. Absolutely. So if a marriage is a training ground for us uh, to... uh, Start becoming more holy, you know. The love one another or the one another passages are those, uh, are what we're training with on that training ground. And um, we can think of it as training for the second greatest commandment, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. And here's your closest neighbor. That's true. (laughs) And if you can't do it here, you're probably not doing it out there, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And God is for marriage. I mean, I think that's something to realize that, that God wants your marriage to yeah. succeed. And, and some of you are in terrible situations and you might find yourself in an abusive situation or whatever it may be. And uh, it may seem extremely hopeless. And, and I want you to lean into relationships. You need people to help you know how to navigate, um, especially some of those extreme situations you might find yourself in. But I just want you to know, man, I have heard a lot of stories over the years. And I want you to know that everything everything can be healed. Mm -hmm. Like every situation, every relationship, God desires to use that uh, ultimately for your good, but he can also heal a relationship that he would have never thought was able to be healed. And so it begins with just how we operate towards that person. And, and, uh, and once again, having good boundaries and knowing uh, how to do that is, is, is another thing to navigate but also knowing what it means to just love them as a human being, no matter what they've done or what they've said, and to, and to just know that they are created in God's image, as you guys said, and that there is, is beauty and uh, something, something buried beneath all of that stuff that you've gone through together. And so uh, for some of the people on, online, maybe, um, who are in a uh, oil and water marriage, mm-hmm. any tools that you guys can give them just to kind of start yeah. moving forward? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so as... Kind of to, to set this one up, just to say that marriage uh, is not static. We can't stay relationally close to each other by not investing in it. We're either always moving away, always moving, <laughs> always moving toward, right. or sometimes we're moving against. But there's, there's none of this. We're just going to keep the status quo. Mm-hmm. And so every day, what we're doing is we're making these small choices, right, to say, we want to be in this marriage. We want to move towards you in this marriage. And we're not content with moving away from each other. And we don't want to be moving against each other. So how can we move forward, uh, move towards each other every day? Yeah. And I think you had mentioned last week, one of the most important things is being willing to ask for forgiveness when you make a mistake. Yeah. So as we began to change, part of what we had to do was look at our, the past year and acknowledge where we tried to hurt the other person in order to get our own way. And so moving forward does have to involve a whole lot of asking for forgiveness and, and giving, you know, that forgiveness. Right. But then even more practically, I think um, we started by reading a lot of books together. And that was a really good habit to start. And I did want to say one thing. I know men kind of get the stereotype of, of not being readers. But, you know, I've been a chaplain in the Air Force for 10 years, and both the enlisted and the officer's side have to do with these things called professional military education, where they have to read a lot of books and study hard. And they have to do this, or they get kicked out of the military. Yeah. So to stay in the military, they read. 
Well, we can think of this, uh, of just getting a book or reading a book together as professional marriage education, <laughs> right? If you yeah. want to stay in your marriage then, and make it a happy marriage, then this is maybe a way to start moving in well, that direction. Well, and we live in the world of Audible and, yeah, I, mean, and I mean, there are a million resources. It just, let's be honest, it just has to get to the point where either we want it bad enough or the situation is hopeless enough yeah. that we're forced to make a decision where we're willing to sacrifice a little time, mm-hmm. you know, a little watching of ESPN, which nobody's doing right now, but, you know, a little bit of whatever we normally do for recreation and going, no, right now, my number one priority is healing my marriage. Yeah. And a, a few minutes reading a book is absolutely worth yep, it. Yeah, it is. And then move like another practical tip was figuring out how we communicated. So Paul had to learn about what it was like to be a verbal processor. Right. You know? So, um, I'm the verb processor, if, not Paul. <laughs> if, she, uh, if she starts out with this, you know, possibly ridiculous uh, thought that she just goes out with, then I have to uh, not judge that thought. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to pull out from her what she's actually thinking. So I ask questions, and the question can't be, you know, are you crazy? <laughs> that, no, that, that one doesn't ends, work. That yeah. very ends well. the conversation pretty quick. <laughs> but if you can ask those open-ended questions, probably three questions in, you're going to find out some really cool stuff about your spouse, about uh, what's been going, what's been happening in your relationship. And it's just going to become this beautiful moment where you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I finally get it. Yeah. And, and you find that hope in those moments. Yeah. And if you're not a verbal processor, if you're married to someone who's more internal, you learn to ask the question, then give them some time. Mm-hmm. Let them think about it. Don't expect the answer right away. And if they can't look at it like they're rejecting me, they don't care about me. So even just learning those really simple communication skills helped us. And this is where I think um, a lot of trust grew because if you approach your spouse with a thought and you feel rejected, um, you don't trust them. You're not going to come to them with deeper thoughts or more personal thoughts. And so by learning to understand the way that Paul was thinking and how he learned to understand me, we could build that level of trust. And so I didn't fear going to him with a thought and and I knew he would try to back me up. Right. So in summary, learn to ask another question. (laughs) Just one more question. And if, if you can't understand each other, a little, a tip someone gave us once was if you're stuck, use an analogy. It's a simple thing. But like in our family, an enduring analogy for if I'm trying to explain to Paul, like if I'm overwhelmed or I'm, you know, the kids are driving me crazy or work is driving me crazy or whatever it is, I'll say something like, I feel like I'm treading water and it's just my nose above the waterline. I'm about to sink and you're in a lifeboat just shouting at me like, how to do better? I need a right. life preserver. I, I can do that. And so I can then say, okay, well then here's the question, you know, what... What does a lifeline look like, yeah. you know? I'd probably say, like, start clean learning the house. those things. Right, right. yeah. <laughs> Take the kids out. Put your dishes away. Yeah. <laughs> Pick um, up your underwear. Which yeah. is really kind of easy. Yeah. I can do that, you know? I think another thing was basically your entire talk last week. Learn how to fight well. Conflicts huge. Yeah, yeah, make sure that the goal of your fighting is not just to win. Mm. Make sure that the goal of your fighting is to come up with a solution. Right, so, so uh, as you're thinking about fights, just something that's really helped me is instead of winning at all costs, you're trying to understand, you're trying to empathize, and only then look for a solution. And those three things have to be present in every one of your conflicts. Yeah. And they're going to be present in various degrees. I understand that. But if you can, if you can say, have I understood yet? Have I empathized yet? Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, oh, good. Now, you know, if you're the kind of person, now I get to look for a solution, right? right. <laughs> yeah. 
And I think you mentioned you have to believe your spouse. Like you have to trust them. And if they say, this is how I feel, this is how this situation makes me feel, you can't be like, that's nuts. Like no one should think like that, <laughs> right. you know? Right. And that is another way you're going to build trust because you're going to think if they take me seriously, I'll feel more comfortable well, sharing it's, it's with them. wild because we say things to our spouse that we'd never say to another yeah. person. Yeah. Um, which is one of the tragic things about um, you know, marriage as we start to struggle is uh, they really do get the worst of us sometimes. They can get yeah. the very best of us, but they oftentimes, the people that are closest to us see the worst and experience the worst and things we would never say to a friend of ours. Yeah. We'll just spout off without even thinking about yeah. it right. to yeah. our spouse instead of actually trying to understand the heart yeah. behind what's going on, the unique desire behind uh, what's, what's happening in the situation. Um, there comes this point where I think we forget the beauty of the person that we're yeah. married or we haven't spent time to discover the beauty in yeah. who they've become, yeah. right? Yeah. And so inside of you are all kinds of beautiful things that maybe I've stopped looking for and somebody else in my life may be more aware of those things than I am. Yeah. And so it's important that we're the first one to see beauty within yeah. um, our spouse. Well, and when you appreciate those differences, then you can start to see how those differences can be used in the broader, like in your family, in Absolutely. your church, in the community. And you embrace this idea that instead of looking at their differences as bad, you look at them as like, that's amazing. You can do things that I wouldn't even think to do. Yeah. You know? Right. So once I understand how Liz is different uh, from me, I can then understand how God will use her mm -hmm. <laughs> to impact the world, right? And uh, in a unique way, and, and in a way that's different than, than I can. Yeah. And so for instance, um, so I, I'm not a super empathetic person. That's just not, I'm not. <laughs> just laying that, that out there. <laughs> uh, now we're getting real, right? <laughs> and, and so I can walk by someone who's, who's in need and not even notice them. Liz will walk by the same person and say, that person needs anything, needs something, and she'll even know what they need, and then she'll tell me, and then I get a chance to practice being compassionate yeah. and to love that person, yeah. which is just so, such a part of the Christian life, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the other thing, and that, like, to kind of wrap those things together is that you need to embrace this role that God has given you. Like, you mentioned that you're a you're the chief encourager and supporter of your spouse. Like mm. that's, and you want so that. Good. You don't want someone else to have that role. That's true. Right? right? And so by understanding them, taking the time to build trust, you're actually going to be much better able to fulfill those one another ones, but especially the one about encouraging each other and building right. one another up. That's First Thessalonians 5, 11. It's just a wonderful, this will help your marriage passage, which just says build up one another. Yeah. And so you're finding out what needs building up and then you're, you're encouraging that yeah. as we've already, you've already talked about. Yeah. yeah. And that's really where you become best friends. I think once you know someone has your back, someone's going to be with you, you build more trust and you, I don't know, it makes, that's where the happiness starts to come in. You have right. a security that says there's someone that loves me that's going to fight for me and help yeah, me. Yeah, that was so good when you're just pursuing happiness. It just mm -hmm. slips through your fingers. I think, I think most people have experienced yeah. that. And I just I want to bring this back um, to what Christ did for us because that really is the foundation for, um, I think, the best marriage. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death 
on a cross. And I think that's really, uh, if, if there's a foundational thing in all of this, there is a, a little bit of a uh, humbling of ourselves and a loss of, uh, of our pride and a giving up of ourselves that um, leads to any healthy marriage. And to find the best in the person that you're married to, as I said earlier, saying I do means I'm going to spend my life unearthing the best in you. To do that means you're going to sweat. You're going to work, right? Digging is hard work. And that that same is true in a marriage. To pull out the best in our spouse is really, really hard work sometimes. But what we find uh, in the best of them is always worth the effort. And so we want to sacrifice the same way Christ sacrificed for us. And I honestly believe that that's the only way we'll be able to sacrifice for our spouse is we realize how much our God loves us, that he'd humble himself, take on the form of a servant, die for the sins of humanity, and uh, give us a pattern for for what it really looks like uh, to one another someone, uh, is to just to give up ourselves for them. And so uh, ACF, we love you guys. Uh, We are praying for your marriages and for your relationships. And so uh, Liz, would you just pray for for the, the relationships that are represented Absolutely. out there yeah. in ACF. And, yeah. yeah. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the fact that you don't ask us to do something that your son Jesus hasn't already done. Amen. That he came to this earth and he lived as a human and he loved people. <clears throat> and he loved people when it was hard and we, he loved people when he was tired and he put the work into the relationships around him. And Lord, he left us an example that we need to follow. And as someone who could have demanded so much because he was God, he didn't. And instead he focused on serving. And Lord, I ask that you would help all of us each day to look for those ways that we can give up the control that we think we deserve, that we think will make us happy, that we think will make us fulfilled, and trust you as we love the people around us. Yes, God. And Lord, we know that this will impact not only our marriages, but our our parenting and the places that we work and the people that we minister to. And Lord, Lord, we know that this is a way that we can um, just build our community up and show um, how much we value the life of Christ and how much we want to be like him um, because he loves us so much and he He died for us. And Lord, we are so grateful. And each day we want to grow more like him and we want to do that because we love you. And so we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.